Hi, and welcome to The Theology Box, a podcast dedicated to seeing how God fits into the world we live in. We hope you enjoy your time with us today, where theology is the conversation. So, hey, Mark. Hey there, Will. Mark, we have Mark Miller with us again today. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure to be uh, here. As we do mostly every day. <laughs> I was talking to Sam, my other roommate, uh-huh. and... Uh, about filling in for weeks where you're not going to be able to be here. Okay. And um, he's like, I don't want people to hate me. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, everyone's going to get used to Mark being there. Oh. And then I'll be there. And they'll be like, we want Mark back. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I was like, don't worry. It's, well, I'm uh, sure he'll bring something fresh to the table. <laughs> yeah, he has, uh, you know, he has his own perspective. and mm-hmm. uh, But um, so today we're going to get into uh, the incarnation. Yeah. And what does that mean? Um, specifically, meaning that God became a human. I, I think yeah. with the word incarnation, it, it would mean anything made into a human or cause, yeah, I, cause, I would think so yeah yeah because you have like in the like a buddhist idea it's like reincarnation right so you're becoming like human again right yeah um in the flesh mm-hmm. yeah like yeah in fleshation the in fleshation <laughs> so yes. to speak yeah the so the in fleshation of <laughs> uh-huh that's um it's a good way to Real, like, make it real, but it also just sounds really gross. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so specifically, uh, the incarnation of Jesus. What does that mean? Uh-huh. Um, how did it happen? Mm. Um, which, <laughs> good luck to us on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you how it happened. Um, uh-huh. hmm. and then, um, also, maybe we could look at like the the issues in the Catholic Church with um, the Immaculate Conception, pr- okay. preparing for the Incarnation, and why why do they think that? Although I I don't think we're really experts on the Catholic faith. Yeah, so not quite. Yeah, we'll at least hmm? we'll just kind of look at it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's fine. From a distance, from our Protestant distance. Yeah, there you go. There and. You go. Um, yeah, it looks like you pulled out a, a book. <laughs> I did. You wanted, to <laughs> you wanted to give some insight. Well, um, I mean, whenever someone says the word incarnation, I think uh, the Gospel of John comes immediately to mind and the way that he opens it up. Um, I mean, the, the the verse that relates most directly would be uh, John one fourteen, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, and yeah, in the beginning of the verse, you know, you, you clearly see the Word became flesh. And in the beginning uh, of the book, there, you know, it's, it's talking about the Word was in the beginning and was with God and was God. And just kind of seeing how there is. Uh, this uh i guess di- this like community or relational dynamic in the godhead if you want to put it that way mm-hmm. uh since the very start 
and that the word being you know referred to here being being Jesus uh, like became or took on flesh um, and I've heard it described that like the, the phrase dwelled among us could be like reinterpreted or like more literally as like made his like pitched his tent or tabernacled among us right like pointing back to I guess the the foreshadowing you see in the Old Testament mm-hmm. uh, that Christ was then like fulfilling in this you know once in history event of of God then becoming man in this incarnation uh, that yeah that I guess that there, there's there's only <laughs> like there's only like signposts pointing toward it but that there was never anything that you could say really was anything like this before right and so the signpost that you're mentioning would be in um, Israel uh, according to Exodus after the Israelites leave Egypt um, Uh at some point in their wanderings in the desert God instructs Moses to find um, I think two or three are artisan workers like craftsmen Okay. To build a tabernacle, mm-hmm. right? So um, when we think of this as like, oh, this is like a biblical word. It's like, um, what it, what it, like it, it, as if it doesn't really have meaning for us today. But really, it's mm-hmm. just some kind of tent structure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's made to be um, transportable. It's made to, uh-huh. um, well, and then in, in this case, it was made to house the Ark of the Covenant uh-huh. and the Ten Commandments. Um, yeah. And actually, the Bible Project videos that I was mentioning, okay. um, they they were talking about the cherubim okay. and how they sit above the Ark of the Covenant, uh-huh. you know, touching their wings together. Yeah, yeah. And there's also, like, illustrations of the cherubim in the Bible, and they're holding the throne of God. Okay. So this this idea of, like, here's the... Here's the tabernacle, and in the tabernacle are the cherubim, and above the cherubim, at some point um, in the Israelite uh, history, God dwells above the tabernacle. Oh, thank you, Siri. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, hi- history. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I guess we uh, now you know what kind of phone I used. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that. Um, uh-huh. There's a um, a pillar of smoke or, or fire. Oh yeah, uh-huh. right. So th- it's sitting above the tabernacle, and so, um, so God is housed, and su- by His own accord, uh-huh, uh-huh. in the structure. And so now, fast forwarding, um, a thousand plus years. I, I forget exactly what. Yeah, uh, like yeah, fifteen hundred years or uh-huh. something like that. Um, you have. Probably less. I think it's less than fifteen hundred. Somebody's gonna <laughs> give me a comment. If anybody ever starts listening, they'll be like, "Actually, it was um, <laughs> around this time." Uh-huh. BC. Um, so Jesus, um, in John's gospel, he's communicating it to us that this is the new temple, and yeah. so for God, he's going mm, to mm-hmm. house himself inside of this person uh-huh. um in a, in a temple not built by human hands which yeah, yeah. isn't that's a verse somewhere right yeah i believe um yeah there might be one or two instances where it's talking about how 
like because like the Lord created everything, so how can you build like basically how could he how could he live in you know like a dwelling place that humans are building? Because like like on one hand he chose you know out of his own will like you were saying to like to dwell or to to remain in this tabernacle or like with a you know like a tangible presence there, but then at the same time that was only that could only like you know maybe go so far let's say because you know he was he was then gonna dwell um, in something that he, that that couldn't be that couldn't possibly be man made. Mm. Uh, but that he himself made. Right. Right. Yeah. And um, so this is, I think, kind of where um, we run out of thoughts. No, uh, this is... <laughs> <laughs> no, and so the, the incarnation itself then is... To me, it seems to serve... Uh, well, it serves multiple purposes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one... I think some of the confusion and 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 I think it's still even after I tried to explain what some of the confusion is I'm sure it will still persist you know because okay. the idea of God being triune is what, where the incarnation s- starts to not make sense right like it it, it makes sense here cuz we're like saying well God mm-hmm. does this thing uh-huh. And takes, um, isn't born, you know, um, in the sense of becoming uh, God. Uh-huh. And because uh, what I'm trying to get at is like the Islamic faith, from what I understand, is it rejects Jesus because God can't be born. Okay. Right? Like, you can't, you don't create God. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Whereas, um, you know the the human aspect of Jesus is tabernacle, uh-huh. right? Not God. The dwelling, okay. the indwelling spirit of God, in in Jesus, is God, because uh-huh. Jesus is the indwelling spirit for Himself. Okay. I, yeah, I think I'm following. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? So it's it's <laughs> so it's like. Um, I think that's a big misconception is that, you know, God, mm-hmm. you know, now, now, now we can get into like the triune and then that's when it starts to get confusing again. So, okay. So God is in Jesus. Fine. He's not in heaven at the moment. Okay. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. He, yeah. He, he is in heaven, uh, while mm. Jesus is there because Jesus himself refers to the father yeah. and prays to the father. Yeah. And now all of a sudden God, um, Yahweh, as we've thought of him, and uh-huh. uh, who I hope, if you're Jewish, you don't turn off the broadcast <laughs> for me saying that name, uh-huh. but uh, the becomes father to the son, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and it's communicated to us that way that this is uh, um, Jesus Christ is the son of God, yeah, and um, but we don't mean like because of the birth we we mean because of the shared the dynamics of the relationship as it's um as it plays out i guess you could say um which you know now i can get into some like proto heresy no i'm just kidding 
I don't know if that's even a word. I just okay, thought well, it would sound well, it cool. Sounds pretty good, that yeah. But um, there's also this idea of in the early church there was the the idea of the Holy Spirit being more of a, a female aspect. So you have it in the original words for spirit, like this feminine quality, like pneuma. Okay. Um, ruach. Ruach. That's yeah. That's mm-hmm. feminine. Okay. I mean, you could also say like, well, yeah, words are feminine in, in languages, and that and not necessarily like corresponding to yeah. yeah. But when you have several languages, all kind of giving it a femininity. Well, maybe it means something. Maybe it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. But, <laughs> but no, I mean, it. but there's also other indications in Scripture to, like, say, well, okay, we've been taught that the, we've been taught that the Spirit's gender neutral, but there are other instances in the Bible where, like, God takes on female attributes. So it's like, okay, well, uh, I'll wrestle with those later. But... Uh-huh. Um, the early church believed uh, some of the early churches believed that the the holy spirit was um like female like there's like okay, actual quotations where they're mm. like that's what it is uh. and that the that the holy spirit that descends upon jesus is actually um the mother of jesus in that sense and so we can get into that wild idea okay yeah um, i don't know if i've quite heard yeah <laughs> anything yeah. like that before yeah it's pretty wild well and then and then the um it's in a book by April DeConey. Uh, she's a professor out of Texas. That uh, okay. It's a book called Holy Misogyny. So if you want to get up on your feminist studies and <laughs> biblical okay. interpretation, she's a really good source. But uh-huh. the, the point is um, G- Jesus as God's son has more to do with the relationship of God to himself. Uh-huh. More so than biological reproduction, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that—that's really what I was trying to get at. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit was kind of a side tangent because uh-huh. I just find it fascinating since we're talking about yeah the dynamic in the first place. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, yeah, someone a couple weeks ago uh, that I really respect uh, was commenting on um, from Psalm two uh, seven where it says, "I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me." you are my son today I've begotten you and then it goes on to say ask of me and I'll give you the nations uh, and I will make the nations your your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces uh, like a potter's vessel uh, so here uh, at least in the, in this translation it's having you are my son with a capital S hmm. um, and you know throughout the Psalms you can see areas where Christ is um fulfilling like these pieces like these foreshadowing uh you know prophetic uh songs in reality you know that a lot of them that david was uh writing or singing um but that here when he's saying you're my son today i've begotten you that he's like he's giving him a name or he's identifying this relationship um because jesus was already existing you know he and the father uh as god and the spirit have always been but that when he's when the incarnation is happening now that there now there's a clearly identifiable like role or identity being placed Mm -hmm. um and i think the the main part um well so with the incarnation jesus is now identifying 
as one of us, that he's, you know, God with us, Emmanuel. And I think the fact that he's then be, being able to be called a, the, the son of God is then like the, the, like the precedent or the, the, the first like example of the call for us to be called children of God and like, you know, adopted and also just like, uh, you know, as it's described as like being rebirthed, reborn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, just as if you're just taking the Trinity, you know, before the creation of the world or before Jesus was incarnate, um, you know, it's easier just to say, okay, it's God and that, that you know, he has a spirit and, and this and that. But with the incarnation, there's a, a very specific example of something he's not like basically from what the old testament had pictures or patterns of now this new covenant with jesus in the incarnation is saying here's something that's even greater here's something that you know it's starting a new covenant or or like like flipping a new page where now we can see he is the son of god and that he's calling these people who he's created to then be called children of God by believing in the son of God, Mm. um, which is just, (laughs) yeah, absolutely amazing. Mm. And, and, and like the fact that, um, I, I mean, I, I, I think, um, I'm trying to remember if, if maybe in acts that Paul refers to like some of the, the Athens or the Greeks, like belief about being called like, you know, that we're all children of God or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, like, in any case, you know, other belief systems can call humans, you know, sons of God or children of God. But it's different if it's just, oh, God's creating us and letting us just, you know, run wild. And that we're just kind of poetically children, his children. But that here, uh, with the incarnation of, like, God himself being the the doorway or the, rep- like, the first representation and like the doorway into this relationship that goes beyond just uh, God and then like created beings, but that then it's it's like drawing us into a unity with Him that's directly like uh, identifiable in this like um, relationship that you know as humans is biological. If you know if you're a, a father and a son uh, or mother and daughter that that means like you came from that person that you bear characteristics yeah um so shared dna yeah yeah so that that basically that that goes a lot deeper and and more like intimately in what our relationship with him is now meant to be like uh beyond just like oh we're created beings and like we're like servants or slaves or whatever Mm -hmm. uh but that being called like basically being invited to be part of the family uh, is really uh, a mind-blowing, you know, yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, um, like, also part of what... Um, I really like that shared family dynamic mm. first um, because it, it reminds me of um, a lot of things. Actually, oh, man, there's like three things. <laughs> Let me let me put a. I should I should have a notepad. Usually I do. I think oh, the yeah, last couple yeah, you times did, you I did. did. Last time, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm only half as uh, dumb as I thought I was. Um, 
one uh, I wanted to make sure that we get back to kind of the idea of God emptying himself of divinity to okay be with us mm, to mm-hmm. begin the covenant mm-hmm. um, and what that means uh-huh um, because uh, but I think from there we move more into Trinity like okay. Trinitarian thoughts mm-hmm. but before we get into that I wanted to um, look at you know the idea of this the sacred and um, and family and DNA okay a little bit okay so um, saying saying that like God's relationship to us and pre prior to uh, the Christ mm-hmm. was um, like God was a, a, a ruler and we were the the servants of or citizens of the kingdom in a way that um, you look at the original covenant which you mentioned it was the Abrahamic covenant okay. um, it was through through law and it was like direct discipline and um people saw God as um, the one who would punish them if they were not to keep and fulfill the laws that were established and in some ways that's um, they they were right you know like it <laughs> seems to be that was the case at least that's what the prophets were uh, inspired to tell the nation is like hey you're here because you messed up um, uh-huh you know, you've been exiled to Babylon because you you uh, worship other gods and you do lots of uh-huh. uh, bad things. So um, now with the introduction of Jesus, it's not just that God has sent an angel or something to like yeah, give yeah. somebody a message to help deliver his people. Mm-hmm. It's that God himself has, uh, according to Paul, emptied himself of divinity, yeah. you know, and become flesh like... Um, and so the idea of the Trinity, I think, is so difficult because we want to talk about God, right? Uh-huh. Um, but then we also want to give the significance due to the people who God himself introduce, introduces into what your concept of God should be. At least um, we could say the scripture introduces. So like... Uh, when we talk about God, we talk about, um, you know, Yahweh. Uh-huh. And we, when we talk about God, we talk about um, the Elohim, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Or at least the Bible translates that word that way. I think the Bible project said something kind of weird, <laughs> okay. like a, about like the divine council or something. Oh. Yeah. And I think because the Jewish people, um, if you get into the s- study of it, we're actually... Um, they believed in a lot of gods, but they believed only one should be worshipped. Oh. You can see it in the language, too. It's like, mm. um, it's not just that, like, the gods of Egypt were real. They weren't just demons. They were, like, mm. gods. But you don't worship those gods. You only worship Yahweh. That's uh-huh. it. Cause that was what they were. Yeah. And under- then and then it eventually turned into, um, after the Babylonian captivity, it turned into, there's only one god the God of Israel but you can see in the early writers they're like you know so maybe that's where Elohim comes from but you know mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll back off that for now <laughs> um, but um, uh-huh. so you have Yahweh but then Jesus 
um, who comes and validates uh, who he is through miracles and his teaching says um, and by his teaching I mean like he points to like the his own fulfillments of prophecy and things like that mm-hmm. um, says that you know he when you pray pray like this our father who art in heaven yeah hallowed be thy name mm-hmm. and uh he calls out to the father all the time right yeah yeah uh, and so so now all of a sudden we have this um distinction where we know that there's the father yeah and like that'd be cool if he had just left it there but then he's like no well by the way uh i'm god too <laughs> 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 or you know um uh, at least uh you know in john chapter one in the word in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god mm-hmm. and it's like okay so some there's some mystery opening yeah. up here yeah and jesus will eventually um although in mark you find that he tells people not to let others know you find in like other gospels especially john he's very direct about his own divinity uh-huh. um and then eventually with Paul uh, and his meeting with Jesus, you, you see that he's God. So now um, that concept of uh, our concept of God and in the incarnation, we have to start delineating between, well, what is what does it mean for God to be human? Uh-huh. What does it mean for a human to be God? And can the human, the humanity of Jesus is that God or no, no, it's not. Is the Godhood of Jesus <laughs> human? No, you know, I don't know. It's like, uh, you can start struggling with like weird questions okay. because, because <laughs> then it's like, okay, well prior to the incarnation, was he called Jesus? Was he separate and distinct in this particular manner? Because he never took on the form of a human prior to the event. Uh-huh. So could we imagine the spiritual form of of Jesus before the incarnation or would it look so similar to mm. God in the <laughs> in the in the more, you know, the uh-huh. father sense? Okay, yeah, I yeah. I think I I see where you're getting with that. Like I mean, I've I've heard it described by several people over you know the last couple of years at different points in time that um any time in the old testament where there's like a physical uh appearance or or i guess the word christophany is used mm-hmm. that basically anytime god is shown physically or tangibly on the earth that that is the pre-incarnate christ so, so basically like god being a spirit um, so I guess we could say the father being a spirit and that, and that anytime he is physically seen or, uh, you know, revealed that that is Christ. So what that, what he like looked like before the incarnation, you know, I, I don't know what to say yeah, on that I mean, point, but, well, but it's even like the idea of Christophany is, um, our best attempt at trying to understand what the angel of the Lord per mm. se like mm-hmm. what are those well then um 
well, humans behaved a certain way and the angel responded a certain way that wasn't so much like the underling kind of, not underling, I should have made <laughs> that sounds rude, but like weren't so much like the lower angels or, uh-huh. you know, like Gabriel or Michael. They would mm-hmm. always tell people like, stand up, don't bow to Yeah, me. yeah, right, right. But then the right. angel of the Lord comes along and he's like, yeah, it's cool, you're bowing before me. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. I'm chill with that. So <laughs> what, uh, you know, so, so we want to ascribe, you know, the, divine nature to yeah. him since otherwise he'd be kind of an error if, yeah, yeah yeah if it if it wasn't the yeah. lord himself yeah yeah but you know mm. then but also um could the father have done that like we don't kn- i don't know if there's a reason to dis- to differentiate between the father and the son in those cases because uh-huh. if they're both god and equal in power up until the incarnation. Like I, I would imagine that the father could do that as well. But if we want to say like the, the one who des- descends to involve with human affairs is always mm. the, the Jesus part of mm. God's nature, then, um, then yeah, I guess you would just call him Christophanes, but it's not mm. like for me, I don't know if it's like, I think that's a good explanation of of why. Uh-huh. So maybe I'm presenting an argument that I'm answering at the same time. I don't know. That's okay. That's yeah. Okay. Hey, it's good for the. Uh uh-huh. It's good for me. <laughs> it's good for my head, yeah. my brain. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. It was, looks like there's something. Um. I guess there's a couple things. Um. Well, hold on. Give me a second here. Okay. Well, you're taking that second. Okay. I'd like to um, <laughs> let you know about our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, I don't have a sponsor. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no. Well, uh, yeah, I don't. Maybe this is, this is more of a tangent than necessary, but uh, the whole talk of the Lord like showing up in the Old Testament and then at times, you know, it, I guess it being described as the angel the angel of the lord appearing and then people worshiping mm. and and it being like appropriate for the occasion oh okay um and then so in Gen- in genesis 32 you see this really peculiar yet fascinating <laughs> passage <laughs> where jacob uh jacob has this re- this wrestling match oh right um right, right. and I, I think even just the way that it transitions into describing it is just like so sudden and peculiar but so like so i'll just give like two verses of context before so the same night he arose and took his two wives his two female servants his 11 children across the ford of the jabbok he took them and sent them ahead uh, across the stream and everything else that he had and jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day when the man saw that he had not prevailed against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. So then it was put, it was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Um, so then they have this exchange and saying like, what is your name? And he says, Jacob. And then your, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, uh, for you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. Um, and then Jacob says, please tell me your name. And then he, the response is, why is it that you asked my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the, the name of the place uh, Peniel, which in the footnote says the face of God, um, saying, for I've seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. Um, so, it, like, the fact that it's just first saying 
and a man was there wrestling with him mm. and then just then when it gives the dialogue there's something beyond that going on and that he recognizes that he's seen God face to face which is absolutely yeah. incredible yeah. so right there we see God you know if you want to call it a Christophany go go right ahead <laughs> yeah but, I think that's as close as we're gonna get yeah with, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah the, the fact that there's some like um, I mean I, th- I think before I, I said that there's like no precedence for the incarnation but it like and it's in in most of the ways there really wasn't but the, the these instances uh in the old testament where there's a physical representation of god or however you want to describe it that that in some ways is like a precedence for mm-hmm. hey like god isn't just uh some uh, intangible ethereal being yeah but that he want he's he very much wants to uh meet us on our, our turf and be seen and you know in this case r- wrestled with or like you know tangible yeah uh, yeah like god isn't just a ghostly fog in some mm-hmm. old uh horror film you know some <laughs> black and white horror uh-huh. film. yeah it's yeah god's um real uh and and takes on physical properties when dealing with or can mm-hmm. and does take mm-hmm. on physical properties when dealing with people so um is there something uh, uh no, you still I'm have good. the or you just want to keep reference to that uh yeah and, and well i don't know if this is well this is just kind of to give uh something specific from what i mentioned before okay but it's kind of you know out of order but uh, from John one twelve, um, where it says, "But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God." And that it there's there's like now a line being drawn, or you know, something being extended beyond just people like us who literally are you know born of flesh and blood but that in this uh new relationship are now being described as like being born of god or being born of the will of god Mm. um that you know where it says those who did receive him so the word you know being christ and believed in his name um so there's kind of like a a paradox or a contrast but then like well it's kind of it it really is hard to describe but so god taking on flesh and being called both the son of man and son of god um and then people who are you know merely flesh although we have you know spirit beings that we're now then being called to you know, right. go, so go, that's go more, to this higher place. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I think at that point we're kind of moving into like, what is the intention, or why mm. did God incarnate in the first place? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which we can explore if, um, like, if we want to talk about faith at some point. Mm. Um, so that would be actually really interesting. Like, what is faith? Mm. Why have faith? You know, uh-huh. and I think that's kind of where you're heading. Um, but before we go there, uh-huh. uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about the immaculate conception okay and because um i think in catholic theology it's it's important okay um i don't know why 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, every Catholic listener is like, oh, well, I thought this was going to be a good podcast. Um, no, I I know. I know why. Um, mm. A little bit. I mean, okay, I, I haven't okay. gone through any kind of catechism or anything, um, mm-hmm. but um, from a few Catholic friends and from a few um, Catholic, um, what do you call them, uh, like apologetic kind of um pamphlets okay. literature you know okay um i've learned that you know the immaculate conception is that the virgin mary was also born herself uh sinless okay right she or she i i don't know how they explain her womb being um sinless okay but the idea is that she needed to be holy because okay. she's going to be holding the, you know, from conception to birth, uh-huh, uh-huh. the son of God in her uh-huh. um, womb. Sure. So, um, I think that dynamic, um, so like personally, I don't think so. Yeah. But, yeah. but I understand the importance of the thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know we mostly get that idea from tradition not uh-huh. not necessarily scripture and since you know right. the i think it was was it luther or calvin i think it was luther right sola scriptura you know that's like the okay. battle cry of protestantism <laughs> uh-huh. um i'm not so much sola scriptura because i'm like oh, that tradition actually seems kind of cool i'm going to take it <laughs> you know like um like okay. a, like infant baptism which is a catholic as okay. well as a presbyterian thing uh-huh. uh not so much a methodist thing but you know, uh-huh. whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I still like it, so I'm gonna keep it. <laughs> okay. I, I think it is a sign of uh, covenant and circumcision, so okay. it replaces it. Um, so <laughs> yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> tell me it doesn't. Paul tells me it does. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so um, but I'm also like amillennial or postmillennial. I still haven't decided, <laughs> which okay. I think plays into that. Which you know. So are the Catholics. So don't turn me off yet, guys. Uh-huh. We have more agreement than disagreement. Uh-huh. I just don't think the Immaculate Conception is. I just don't find it a necessity, right? It's, yeah. It's not just that it's not in Scripture. I just, I don't place as much importance on the necessity of it because it's like an um, reductio ad absurdum, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you keep going back with that argument, then yeah. Every person has to be holy to hold the next thing that's going to be holy. Uh-huh. Like, okay, well, Mary was made holy somehow, and maybe they have a better explanation for it, but, well, wasn't her mother a sinner? So right. maybe her mother needed to be holy too. So all the women needed to be holy up until mm-hmm. that point. So Eve was holy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's easier yeah, just yeah. to... Describe, I guess or, she was at some point. Eve was holy at some point. <laughs> right, right. She was, yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, until I, the fall. I, I would personally find it, or I, I do personally find it easier to just describe that, you know, Mary was human like us all, but was found, you know, to be, to have like a, a pure heart. Um, and that uh, when Gabriel, you know, called her like blessed and highly favored, um, that when the Holy Spirit, you know, overshadowed her, that that was the Holy, well, so literally the Holy Spirit and the Holy, like, moment um, of God doing that work. And, you know, basically he found 
like he sanctified her in that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like th- that that seems just like a more simple like simplified and scriptural like process rather than having to try to yes make the womb of Mary's mother immaculate yeah, or, or however yeah something weird like that mm-hmm. yeah I agree mm-hmm. I agree with that mm-hmm. I think um I think the and the, we could always get into like a Maryology I think there I think there is such a thing as I, I, uh, I think I have have heard of yeah something like that but um I I find it fascinating um her willingness to participate mm-hmm. and actually carry Jesus like you know an angel comes to you and says like hey you're blessed mm-hmm. we're gonna do it and then but then like she responds with let it be so mm-hmm. so it's like as if she had a choice mm-hmm. well so then she had a choice you know and that's kind of interesting yeah. that she chooses to like um, participate in God's will mm-hmm. and uh, participation in uh, covenant I think go hand in hand, which is something that, you know, I, I would like to talk about more. But um, as far as the incarnation goes, it's a mystery in a lot of ways. We kind of understand why it happened, what it signifies to our re- relationship to God and why in the, like in Christianity that it's not just the firstborn creation of God. It's not... Um, something other than God it is necessarily for our salvation God entering in and um, ministering to us and asking us to participate in the great healing work and of the family of God right mm-hmm. so I think mm-hmm. that's kind of what you were hinting at is like we're called to be sons and daughters of of God through yeah. faith not through like personal effort yeah. But um, yeah. through through like faith in Jesus, you are now a member of a family that is um, called to go out and he- heal the world, and uh, not destroy it, and not go yeah. on crazy, um, fight crazy wars against you know people in the nation of Islam, and not to um, <laughs> you know build. Uh, well, I don't want to get political, <laughs> okay. so um, not too political anyway. Uh-huh. But you know that, like, um, I think I think if we if we really knew Jesus for being God, and if we understood God as Jesus more so than the God of Israel, that is a nation building. Um, you know, and I know this is going to sound maybe terrible, but like this nation building monster has, he's been portrayed then. Cause like God tells people to slaughter others all the time in the old Testament. Uh-huh. And, um, or at least that's the perception. There's a Greg Boyd has a really good viewpoint on that. Okay. Um, that I think you'd have to listen to those episodes because it's a pretty, like, okay. like a paradigm shifting conversation to have. Mm. And I don't think we have the, Okay. I, I don't have. I'd have to listen to him again before I really got yeah. into that topic. But um. But so maybe those would be some topics that we explore uh, next time. So thanks again for listening. I hope that everyone. I I hope that everybody uses this week to take as an opportunity to learn more about uh, Jesus and God in Christ and yeah, 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 and the incarnation. Because the Holy Spirit 
is in you. Yeah. And so you're kind of, uh, you know, the carnation. You're the tabernacle right now. Yeah, you're you're like a temple. Yeah, you, the person listening to this yeah. program. And you, Mark. Uh-huh. So, and you will. Yeah. <laughs> so let's um let's recognize that this week and so thank you. This is this is Mark Miller <laughs> and William Carroll and um we're signing off. See you next time. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Theology Box. I want to thank my co-host Mark Miller as well as our music producer Richard Liato, our artist Phoebe Sugo at sugo.studios on Instagram and Megan Napier who manages our Facebook where you can reach us directly. Again, this is your host, William Carroll. Uh, Thanks, and may the peace of the Lord be with you.